This is the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Champion Forum Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to answer one of the questions from one of our listeners. The question that came in, and I've gotten several of them and really enjoy them, but the question that I picked uh, to answer for today's episode, uh, they emailed me and they were asking, "What, Jeff, how is it that you address an employee that is not meeting expectations? You know, this can be a tough thing, especially for a newer leader uh, and depending on the relationship that you have. Oftentimes, whether it's results-driven, whether it is deadline-driven, uh, whatever it might be, as a leader, it's not if you're going to have to address this, it's when. It's inevitable in leadership. You are going to have to address underperformers. You're going to have to address people that are not meeting the expectations that you set. How I like to frame this up when you are dealing with somebody that's not meeting an expectation is really it comes down to four questions. The first question is, do you know what the expectation is? That's the first question you're going to ask somebody that is a non-performer or not meeting expectations. Seems pretty logical, but ask them, do you know the expectation? You're going to get one of two answers, yes, I do, or no, I don't. If it's no, I don't, either they weren't paying attention or it needs retrained. And that might be a can't do, meaning I can rework with them. Let's get this thing back on track. If they tell you that they do understand the expectation, that'll bring you to question number two. Tell me what the expectation is. That way you can hear back from them and as the leader clarify exactly that you are on the same page with the expectation. If it's not exactly what you had addressed, then it's an opportunity to coach, retrain, so that you can see the progress in the future. If it is on track, then you're going to go to question number three, which is, can you tell me why meeting or exceeding the expectation is good for you? Uh, Because again, we have to remember that uh, not everybody likes checking the box and not everybody likes to perform tasks just because the boss said so. So we want to get them engaged in this process. We want to get them engaged with why meeting or exceeding the expectation is good for them. Uh, because if they don't see a with them or a return on this good deed, uh, it may be more out of compliance than anything else. And when people are moving just to check the box of compliance, oftentimes it gets missed. And in best case scenario, you're going to get shoddy work. That would bring you to the last question, which is question four. You would ask them this. What behaviors will you change in the future to assure that you meet or exceed the expectation? So this is where we are going to pass the ball back to them, and we're going to say, what are you going to do differently? So it could be uh, that they missed an expense report or a reporting deadline or whatever it might be. What are you going to do differently? I'm going to put put uh, an invite in my calendar as a reminder two days prior, whatever that might be. Because again, we need them engaging into this process. Versus you being the leader, just hitting them with a stick constantly. One, that's going to frustrate them because it's going to feel like you're always yelling at them. And two, it's not getting their buy-in. And it's something you're going to have to constantly manage. So again, the four questions. One, do you know what, what the expectation is? Two, can you tell me what the expectation is? Three, 
can you tell me why meeting the meeting or exceeding that expectation is good for you? And number four, what behaviors will you change in the future to assure that you meet or exceed the expectations? Great question. Appreciate everybody sending the questions in. Appreciate uh, the overwhelming response on uh, the leadership questions on social media as well. If you ever have any questions for me, anything that I can put onto social media to answer for you onto a podcast episode, feel free to email me any type of questions or feedback at Jeff Hancher at the Champion Forum. Welcome back to another episode of the Champion Forum Podcast. Good to have everybody back. Today, I'm going to be talking through effective steps of leading through change. This is today is going to be part one of a two part series that I've entitled Leading Through Change. Leading Through Change is the title of the episode, and I can promise you, uh, change is absolutely inevitable. And uh, the best leaders that rise to the top are the ones that are able to manage change and lead through change. In today's fast paced world, being able to adapt to change is a quality any successful organization is going to need. The pace is just too fast to not be able to be nimble and change in a moment's notice. Within every healthy organization that I've seen, conditions and requirements are always moving. As a result, to be successful, you have got to be adaptable. You have to be a leader that sees change as something that is necessary. And for this reason, change management is a very important concept to understand and to implement into your team, into your organization. And to be a leader of change, it's something that you have to foster into your team. Managing, managing change will help ease transitions that you may be faced with, with inside your organization. There's going to be a change that happens from the outside in. There's going to be change that happens from the inside out. But managing this type of change is going to help ease those types of transitions and make for smoother processes. Change management is typically dealing with the people side of change. That's what we're talking about with change management. Again, we're not leading machines. We are leading people. And change management is so, it has something in common, no matter what it is, is that there are people involved. There are people affected by these decisions that the organization that you as a leader is making. And so we have to see that for what it is. This is going to be critical in helping your team, your employees to understand, commit to, accept, and even more importantly, embrace changes in their current environment because the environment is going to change as the change happens. Change can come in many ways in an organization and each is going to carry a different impact. This could be everything from leadership changes, changes to your, your business strategy, uh, technology changes, compensation plans that might change, And the list is absolutely endless. One of the first things I would recommend any leader to do is to constantly be talking about the benefits of change before the change even starts to happen. This is what I call creating a culture of change, meaning you're telling your team 
all the time, ad nauseum, change is good. As we grow, we are going to see change. Change can oftentimes uh, create some discomfort, but in the long run, it's going to create health in our organization. You should be doing this even when there's no change happening at all. This is conditioning a culture of change. That way, when the change announcement happens, they've already been conditioned to it over the long haul, over time. You have to understand as a leader that uh, it is going to be your job to foster that culture to let your teams know that without change, progress can't, can't be made. Now, that is a common rule of business. That's a common rule of life. If it wasn't, uh, we would all still be on the bottle and wouldn't be eating steak. Change is absolutely necessary in life, in anything that you do. However, when it comes to business and careers, the leaders are the ones that are going to be fostering this as a positive outcome for the company. You know, I recently read an article that was an interview with a top executive at Netflix, and it was... uh, it was very eye-opening to me. My mind was going six ways, thinking about different businesses and safeguards and pitfalls that we all have to avoid in seeing what changes need to be made. But, you know, the interview was a great lesson uh, in the importance of change. You know, it's kind of hard. As I was reading this uh, article, it was kind of hard for me and probably many of you listening to imagine that it wasn't that long ago that we were making our our Friday pilgrimage to a video store like a Blockbuster video to rent movies for the weekend. And if you're listening now and you don't even know what Blockbuster video is, Google it. Uh, But, you know, we saw this emergence of online video companies like... uh, Netflix, and then we saw these kiosk-type situations with Redbox and these rental kiosk-type venues that totally disrupted the Blockbuster video model. That Blockbuster video model worked for years, and they were thriving. They were popping up uh, multiple locations in, in cities, and we were all going there, and we were supporting the vision of Blockbuster video, but they didn't change with the times. You know, the article discussed that Blockbuster had the opportunity to make adjustments. And for one reason or another, they ignored them. Imagine that. They were presented with the opportunity to change, to get uh, on board with the the sweeping change in technology and the go-to-market strategy. In the year 2000, Netflix proposed that it wanted to take care of all of Blockbuster's online component for them. And let them continue to manage their brick-and-mortar component, which is what they were good at. The Netflix executive that was being interviewed said that Blockbuster nearly laughed them out of the office. Can you imagine that today? Well, we all know the rest of the story. Blockbuster is now a dinosaur, and Netflix has gone on to thrive in a very big way. You see, the lesson here is that failure to change can lead to extinction, It's inevitable. If you are not changing in some way, shape, or form, you will become extinct. As leaders, we need to ensure that we're creating an environment that change is always viewed as healthy and necessary. We need to ensure that we have strategies that help our people deal with the challenges and the stresses that come with change. Now, I'm not saying that because change is healthy and necessary that it's always comfortable and everybody receives it with open arms. That's not what I'm saying at all. If that was the case, we wouldn't be having an episode on it. But I can tell you this. It's one thing to get everybody to like change, and it's another to get your team to embrace it. 
Uh, good luck getting everybody to like change, but it's another thing to get people to posture themselves to embrace it and be ready to endure the challenges that come with it for the greater good of the organization and to them as individuals. So today I'm going to be talking and walking you through some key points to consider when implementing change in your organization. Step one is this. You got to have a solid plan of execution. You know, this can't be something that you just drum up in the boardroom or the corner office and and, and throw it out there. Uh, that typically is not going to work well. It's going to be uh, haphazard and it's going to cause a lot of questions most often that you're not going to have the greatest answers to. You're going to have to map out the steps and milestones that are going to need to happen to implement this change before announcing it. Ideally, Set out communication framework early on that identifies the what, the when, the who, and the why. Without this level of detail and without this level of planning, there will be a lot more opportunity for disruption from your team. This not is only going to give you information to share with your employees who are going to be very curious when you're rolling this out, but it also lines up uh, for success in the rollout itself. Because it's one thing to be thinking about, man, I hope my employees are going to buy into this change. But let's keep in mind, we're still on a mission here. We still have a business strategy that we're trying to execute. So making sure that early on in the process, before anything is launched, that you have vetted a lot of this process out and you have a solid plan. Timelines, milestones, identifying the factors that you need to to ensure a successful rollout. Change usually comes from one of two places that I've experienced. It comes from inspiration or desperation, and they're two very different things. You know, it's important that you know the difference of where the change is coming from, because if the change is coming from inspiration, you may have a totally different way of thinking. If change is coming from desperation, your thinking will be much more compromised. There's no question about it. Identify where the change is coming from, from one of those two things, because they're both going to require different mindsets, different strategies, as well as different um, you know, areas of counsel that you may need to make sure that you're not creating a plan out of emotion. So it's important to know the difference. Change coming from desperation can often create the need to move quickly. And uh, that's, that's simply put. Desperation, I got to move quick. There is pain. There is a problem. I got to go fast. I need to avoid, avoid the pain, maybe loss. Uh, and at times, these types of plans are not well thought out due to the need for speed. And any time that you try to fast track major change, uh, not only are you risking the strategy itself, but you're also risking your most important asset, which is your people. So some questions to have answered as you prepare uh, your plan for change. One is, what will the resistance be? Brainstorm that. What is the re who? Where's that resistance going to come from? How is it going to be uh, resisted? Brainstorming this is going to help you mitigate these concerns as they arise. The second question to ask is, who is it in your organization that's going to champion this initiative, and why are you going to choose them? This should be somebody that's trusted and well-respected in your organization. This is going to be the ambassador for change. 
Don't make somebody the change champion uh, that is not well-respected. Uh, they're talked poorly around the water cooler. This has to be somebody, and, and look, it's, maybe it's not the, uh, the leader. Maybe it's not the executive. Uh, maybe it's not the person at the top of the York chart. Most oftentimes, it's not. Uh, it's somebody that you're going to get as a coach, as, a, as somebody that's going to be the mouthpiece of this initiative. It's going to be critical that this champion that you pick is a great communicator, and they have a vast knowledge of the need for change and the plan. This should be somebody that you've had in the infancy stages, in the brainstorming sessions. They've helped create the plan. They have contributed to the plan. They understand why the plan is in existence, and they believe in the cause. If not, you're going to get lip service, you're going to get body language, and you will lack buy-in, and it could be detrimental to the plan and the launch. The next question is, who is going to resist the most? Just like your champions can influence others, so can these resistors, and uh, sometimes not so positively. So it's imperative that you nip their negativity in the bud early on. Who are your resistors going to be? You probably already know who they are. Uh, they're, they're the negative Nancys uh, that are in the room. They're the ones always you know, talking when nobody else is around. They don't have anything good to say. First and foremost, weed those people out of your organization. You don't need them. Uh, but they are going to be the ones that are going to be the detractors early. You got to find out how you're going to address that. And my recommendation is address it swiftly. Again, we talk about you can control attitude. Attitude is not a skill. It's a decision. Don't tolerate it in your in your organization. So the, the other question is, what is the best way to communicate the change to the organization? This is going to be very important. And depending on what the change is, how paramount the change is, what uh, personal impact it may have uh, on your employee and potentially their family, you're going to have to really think about how am I going to deliver the news of this change? Is this going to be, you know, a letter home? Is it going to be an email? Uh, is it going to be a conference call? Am I going to rally the troops all into a meeting room? Am I going to call them individually? Uh, you're going to have to really decide on the brevity of the change what response you're going to have. What I can tell you this, no matter how you decide to communicate it, the more detail you can provide, the less anxiety your people will have and the fewer questions that will come from your team. So make sure that you give as many details as you possibly can on the change initiative. And always remember that a great presentation will often minimize objections. If you're getting tons of objections and questions after the launch, that's usually a good indi indicator that you didn't give enough detail in the presentation of the change strategy. So moving into step two, when possible, involve the people who will be affected by the change in both the planning and the implementation process. Now, I realize this isn't always going to be possible because you're going to have situations like leadership turnover, uh, acquisitions or mergers, legal proceedings. Uh, the, these types of things can drive change and you can't all, you don't always have, you're not afforded the opportunity to bring everybody into the mix. I mean, the last thing you need is somebody in a meeting when you're talking about, you know, getting rid of the, uh, the executive, uh, probably wouldn't be healthy. 
and probably wouldn't be prudent uh, to sacrifice getting that information out into your organization. And even more uh, detrimental would be getting it out into the marketplace in general. But when you have the opportunity, absolutely pull as many people into that process as you can. However, it goes without saying that when change is needed, resistance is going to be the most popular response. Uh, if that's a newsflash to you, uh, you haven't been in leadership that long. You haven't been through change uh, that much. Resistance is typically the natural response to change. Well, why is that? Well, people in general just don't like change. That's just simply put. And it's not personal. It, it had, probably has nothing to do with you, your organization, you as a leader, anything. They're probably that way at home in their personal life. Anybody is resistant to change. Now, when you invite others in weighing in on the plan, you're going to gain a lot more cooperation. And I have found in my own experience that when doing this, my team has often come up with even better ideas than I originally thought of. You know, I always say in these episodes and on social media, get out of your office. The answers are not in your office. They are with your team. The, your team is the one that's doing the work. They're the ones getting things done. Oftentimes they have a better scope and vision and innovative ideas to help push change to be a positive thing. So incorporate some of your best people that are, are well-mannered, uh, even-tempered, uh, you know, well-thought-out people. They're going to come and challenge what your initial idea is and welcome that brainstorming and let them speak. Offer full transparency as this uh, process is coming underway and being developed. Uh, you know, you don't want to be the leader that is the one always talking in the room. Because if you're talking way too much, you're going to surround yourself with people that have nothing to say. And that is a very risky thing as a leader to allow that to happen. Step three, share the information regarding the change with the vastest audience possible. You know, I, rem I remember a time that I was being promoted into a role that had been held by my predecessor for quite a while. And I was being promoted into this role, and I wasn't coming in to fix something that was broken. Uh, sometimes there's something to be said about that, but that wasn't the case with me. I also didn't have any experience in the industry that I was about to lead. You know, I assumed that the decision to put me in the role had the potential to have some members on my team kind of questioning, you know, who is this guy? And who in the right mind made this decision? You know, they, nobody knew me. I didn't have any uh, street cred, if you will, uh, in this new organization. And they were probably maybe questioning me as a leader. And why was I selected for the role? Now, I believe they trusted the leadership who made the decision, but it, it left a lot of questions unanswered as to who is this Jeff Hancher guy and how in the world did he get this job? What is he about? What's his style? You know, is he a micromanager? There's probably all kind of different questions that were coming up. And the first thing that I did was I held one-on-one -on -one calls with, with each of my new direct reports to introduce myself, start engaging the vision with them, uh, and just get to know them a little bit better and give them a dose of my personality style just to try to calm the waters uh, that were a little bit choppy at the time with leadership change. And the next thing that I did was I spent the next several weeks in and out of airports, traveling to every location in my area in an effort to communicate my message to the entire organization. 
And this was an opportunity for me to set expectations um, of them, what they could expect from me, cast some vision, uh, you know, give them, you know, some history into my success to build some credibility that I am there to support, help, and take the organization to the next level. And again, have give them an opportunity to see who I am as a leader, who I am as a person. You know, when employees understand why actions are taken, what's expected, and how the change will lead toward the overall vision, they're much more likely to get on board. It's typically when they don't know exactly what's happening, why it's happening. They're kind of left out in the dark. There's questions in their mind that are unanswered. And oftentimes, you'll have a high percentage of your team, even when you ask, are there any questions? There aren't any questions. So the more that you can just assume that you have to get vast amounts of knowledge out, the better. You know, when employees understand why this stuff is happening, you have more likelihood of getting them on board. If you miss this critical step and people lack information, you run a very high risk of resistance, especially if the team feels like the change is a threat to their personal stability. Hey everyone, I appreciate you investing time to listen to part one of Leading Through Change. Make sure that you tune in again next week as we wrap up the rest of the steps in episode two of Leading Through Change. As always, if you found value in today's message, it would mean a great deal to me if you would subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate it, review it. By subscribing, you'll get notifications every time a new podcast goes public. And share this with somebody in your life that you feel could benefit from it. Whether they're a leader now or they're aspiring to lead, everybody is going to be facing change. Share this with the people around you that's in your circle of influence. Be sure to go to the, the website at thechampionform.com. There you'll find show notes from today's episode and every episode that you can review. You can incorporate these into your own strategy for change. You know, as you begin to go through these strategies and start to implement strategies as we talked about in today's episode, these show notes will help navigate and provoke some thought of things that you're going to want to think about additionally. Also, you can follow me on social media at The Champion Forum. I give daily posts on uh, on Instagram and on Facebook and uh, just nuggets of wisdom, some videos, and sometimes just some motivation uh, to give some thought-provoking and get you through the workday and keep you motivated to be the leader you've been called to be. If you'd like to contact me, or you have any questions or feedback, I can be reached at jeffhancher at thechampionforum.com. And always remember this, folks. You have been set up to be a champion in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead. Inspire. Win. Win.